everyone, hey and welcome back to yet another episode of Alpha Metallica. This is your host, Tom Quee. I want to kick off, as I always do, by saying thank you so much to everyone who listens to the show, who subscribes to the show, you know, who leaves reviews on iTunes, who who retweets us, whatever. Uh, please follow us at MetallicaPod. Thank you so much for joining the show as well. If you're not aware, Alpha Metallica is a A to Z kind of exploration of one of the best bands of all time, one of my favourite bands ever, Metallica, and it features myself uh, and a guest normally, in this case, uh, you know, someone that I'm very, very excited to get through, as ever, you know, many times i have um people like martin popoff you know uh, metallica academics to a certain extent paul brannigan as well for, uh, from kerrang often i just have friends of mine and i'm always asking you know if you want to come on the show you want you want to tackle one of these songs like 150 episodes or so it's going to be a free year jaunt this alpha metallica thing so i welcome everyone who's helping early on uh you know if you want to go through a song let me know and in this case uh, my guest today we're going to get to very shortly just just said you know can we do this song and of course you know astronomy is the song we're doing and you know very happy to oblige really looking forward to get through to that so yeah if you want to get on the show anyway you want to get in touch with me in general uh metallicapod at gmail.com we have a patreon as well if you want to help support the show forward slash alpha metallica go on the youtube check out all that good stuff but um yeah my, my guest today as i say is you know uh i guess a fan of alpha metallica i uh, as well as metallica i could introduce him to uh, a, a you know podcast host in his own right i'm sure we'll get to that it's a uh, brady Trantham. how's it going man hey man thanks for letting me uh jump on today and uh before we get like kind of in the meat of the show i just got to tell you um Wow, you're gonna have to be a little nicer when it comes to these load songs because if not, I mean, we're gonna be we're gonna be probably not the best of friends. I mean, I, I mean, loads loads the best album I think, but you know, we'll get into that the later. Best Metallica I guess. album. <laughs> I know it's an unpopular opinion. <laughs> I've uh, I've had I've had to live with that with some of my friends that are huge Metallica fans that kind of give me some crap here and there about it. But hey, yeah, I mean, I mean, you like what you like. Exactly, exactly, Brady, and you know that—that's what I love about Metallica in general. Really, you know, I think I read out some hate mail in the last episode, the Injustice for All episode. You know, and and people do feel so so greatly passionate about these things. I, it, it's honestly mind-boggling that I, I, Load is better than Master of Puppets. Sorry, just to revisit that quickly. As an album, it's a um, it's a different kind. It's a different kind of good. You know, like I recognize like Master Puppets and Justice for All. I recognize how great those albums are. And that's one thing why I, that's one reason why I love Metallica. If I'm in a pissed off mood, I'll listen to, you know, the thrash, the thrash era. Mm -hmm. If I just kind of want to be mellow and kind of listen to some good music, mm -hmm. I'll listen to Load or Reload. Mm -hmm. If I have a headache and I want to continue having a headache, I'll throw on St. Anger. You know? uh, yeah, <laughs> so yeah, they yeah, have I like a wide, a wide range of music that you can choose from <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah 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 no, for sure for sure and you know today's song is further evidence of that really um you know we're getting into uh, a, a cover you know from the sort of garage ink era this is uh, by blue oyster cult but just just before we get into um, astronomy in a more broader sense you know i ask every guest definitely interested here brady especially considering the uh you know the the, the load uh you know f fixation which which you know is intriguing <laughs> in itself where, where does this start metallica for you what are your early memories how did you get into the band well um i mean it's pretty easy to understand why i like load i mean i was born in 1990 but the reason why i got into the band was my mom is a huge fan so i kind of grew up listening to metallica guns and roses queen that's kind of what i grew up on and my first memories of Metallica were like after Load had had come out like in '96, 
I just remember, you know, when my parents are driving in the car and my mom puts in load and that's kind of the soundtrack to my early childhood. And then mm-hmm. as I got older, because um, up until about 13 or 14, I didn't necessarily have like a musical identity, I guess. So mm-hmm. and then I just one day I just decided, you know, I want to listen to I want to listen to all these Metallica CDs that my mom has. And I had also heard one and For Whom the Bell Tolls. But it's kind of funny when I sat down and tried to just, you know, I want to listen to all these albums. I didn't know that the band that was playing one was the same band that was playing Hero of the Day. Right. I thought they were two different bands. Yeah. So that was kind of an interesting, uh, I guess, revelation mm. um, to, to have. And I don't know. It just kind of clicked with me. I mean, obviously, my mom likes them. So that's kind of something that we can connect with. And They've just been my band ever since, and I'm seeing them on Friday for the third time ever that yeah. I've got to see them, so I'm super excited about that. <laughs> oh, man. Where, where is that? It's uh, I'm going down to the show in Dallas. I live in Oklahoma, so it's about a three-hour drive for me right now. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the relative geography, I mean, it's kind of commented a lot between, you know, when Brits and Americans speak, but the kind of, the, the you know, the size of the place where you're from. Like, you know, bands in, in the UK, they can play, you know, maybe a 10-date tour or something. And it's within the span of maybe 500 miles. But I'm guessing, you know, where you're from, it's, you know, routine, really, to go long distances for music. Yeah, especially living in Oklahoma. I mean, you're kind of used to, you know, especially bands like Metallica. They may not necessarily come to Oklahoma City or Tulsa, the other big city in the state. So you're kind of used to, well, if they go to Kansas City or if they go to Dallas or Houston, those are like as far away as you could, you know, make it because you don't necessarily want to make this an all-week trip because sadly we all have jobs that we have yeah, to also yeah. worry about. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm just I'm just looking now at you at the AT&T Stadium. Is that right? Yeah. God, this looks. I mean, it's 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 a it's a colossus down there. I've been I've been to that stadium a few times for for uh, American football games, mm-hmm. and it it's so big that it doesn't feel like a football stadium. It, it, you know, it's kind of hard to explain. It feels like it feels like it was built for things like this, like concerts, not necessarily for a, a sporting event. Right. It's it's there to be like it's the Death Star, basically. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's enormous. I, I was in America recently, and I remember we drove past the Patriots in New England, their stadium, and it, and it was like, it was just boggling to sort of witness it from the side of the road. Like, you know, they are, they are absolute, you know, metropolises, really. And seeing Metallica slay these stadiums recently, like, you know, have you been watching this YouTube footage just, you know, salivating? Yeah, it's it's amazing how packed these arenas are. Mm. I mean, I mean, it it seems like eighty five percent of the floor is filled, and then everybody in the stands. It's like there's not an empty seat, so it's amazing. Because I had a friend that went to um, a U two show a few weeks ago down at AT and T Stadium in Dallas, the same spot, and I asked her, um, "Are they? Because they have a retractable roof, and I was wondering if they were going to open the roof up. Because, I mean, I don't know if you know, but June in in Dallas, Texas, is incredibly hot. So this right. is very important information to know right. going into the you know Metallica show. And thankfully, they're not going to open up the roof apparently. And you know, and so I watched a few um, YouTube videos of that YouTube show that she was at, and it was it was packed, but there were certainly a lot of areas that you could see weren't very you know there weren't a lot of people sitting at or standing and. 
Metallica is like completely different. It's like there's not an empty seat in the house, and it's just so awesome to be able to look forward to going into that kind of environment and that kind of energy. I'm really excited. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, as I mentioned on the show several times, I'm seeing them in the sort of UK tour, which are later in the year, um, which a lot of people on the forums are sort of saying that they expect the set list to shift a little bit as they move, you know, inside, maybe a few more deeper cuts. But, I mean, the set list at the moment seems pretty much the same. A few songs trading out here and there. It's a great set list. Like, I'd love to see this live. Yeah, it's it's not a set list that I'm you know all complain about, but because I kind of follow them so closely, I'm not going to be very surprised about what they're going to play. Yeah. So you know when I'm in the moment, it's going to be exciting. Like I've never heard the Unforgiven live, so right. they've played that I think at every show except for one, I believe. So that'll be exciting. And then of course hearing all the new Hardwired songs mm. that I I haven't had a chance to hear live yet. Um, yeah, I mean then it, you can hear Master of Puppets live. 20 times and the 19th and 20th time are going to be just as fun as hearing it the first or second time Mm -hmm. because it's such a great song so yeah 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 definitely uh i mean i don't know if you've been watching as well they've been doing the they sort of live stream their practice room and and show people kind of what they're working on before they go on stage and stuff like that um you know slowly but surely slowly but surely spit out the bones getting better and better (laughs) you know that that is the big story that we're going to see spit out the bone which is very cool i think either beholder as well is going to get previewed but as as a load fan yourself brady i saw them trying out ain't my bitch i mean that'd be good to see oh yeah um see that that's the kind of the thing about load songs that that are, it's kind of special to me. Like I have a buddy that I'm going down to the show with, and he plays drums. I play guitar, and so whenever we get together, we'll just kind of jam together. We're not serious musicians. We just kind of we both love Metallica, so we'll play. And mm-hmm. whenever like somebody like either he kicks in with a two by four drum intro, or I'll play the "Ain't My Bitch" riff. It's we kind of just we'll play it, and we'll kind of just look at look at each other and smile because it's just kind of like it's more fun. But when we play like. Justice for All or Master of Puppets, it's like we're trying to intently play it more sure. seriously. You know, Load has more of a much more cooler vibe, I th- or easygoing yeah. vibe. And I would, I mean, it would be so cool if, even if they just came out and jammed it, like how they used to jam uh, Freight Ends of Sanity mm. before their second encore. If they just came out and played like a Load riff, I, I would yeah. be... I'd take my shirt off at least, probably. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I get what you're saying. Like, in the same way that on Cunning Stunts, that era they had a justice medley if now on a hardware tour they have a load medley like i think because like you say there is this complete generation of fans that were sort of crystallized in that kind of you know when they were the monsters that ruled the earth in the 90s and yeah now they still do but in a you know the music world's just different it doesn't kind of allow for these bigger personalities despite them selling this amount but yeah, if they were to do that and then you know even like, I, th- I think like king nothing like i appreciate it's a bit wider played but i think that would get a huge reaction yeah you know it's something i already, I, i've always thought about if i actually met james hetfield mm, mm. i know there's one thing for sure that i'd ask him or at least tell him <laughs> right and I would just simply say, you know, when you say, are you guys ready for some old stuff? You know, that obvious that also includes load and reload. It's over 20 years old now. So it, it, it's no longer just the 80s. So yeah. when you say ready for some old stuff, I'm like, all right, we're going to listen to uh, Until It Sleeps or something, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you know, Metallica, as we have lots of sort of touring rock bands that have been going for decades and decades, have to sort of reinvent new ways to play live shows. And, you know, I know they've done like the full Kill 'em All show, you know, the full master show 
there's, I don't think there's going to be a full load show, and I don't, no. I mean, you know what I mean? And I, <laughs> I don't know what that says about the ultimate quality of the product, or it's just, you know, there's not going to be a full say anger show. It's probably not going to be full hardwise like you know that's thinking kind of far ahead there but it just regardless we're here to talk about um you know garage inc uh specifically this song astronomy which i mean it's going to be interesting going through this whole album obviously and also the garage days revisited stuff as well which is kind of incorporated within this um and other covers they've done they're all going to kind of go into this broth of uh alpha metallica song exploration and one of the things i like to do brady normally is to kind of consider the band they're covering you know why this band why this song what sort of influence it had and you know it's fair to say you look at some of the bands on here you see like merciful fate black sabbath leonard skinner you're like okay you know i can see that kind of elements about metallica's personality but blue oyster cult are a little bit of a different proposition yeah and they're a band that they've covered well at least james um by himself they're a band that they've covered two more times with um the veteran the psychic wars from the uh, bridge school um acoustic show they did a few years Mm ago and uh james and jerry Cantrell uh joined together on stage for an acoustic show um I can't it was it last year or two years ago and they played uh don't fear the reaper oh nice um so it's a band mm-hmm. yeah it's 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 really good like you should check it out if you haven't had a chance to um find it on youtube yeah. it's a really good um james and J- jerry's voice go really well together on the song but yeah it's a band that you wouldn't think on the hierarchy of bands that metallica you would think would cover they're not really high up on the list they kind of make sense i, I remember I think I read it in some interview on a, in a magazine a few years ago, um, and it was right. It, the magazine came out right around the time Garage Inc. Um, came out, and the mm. interviewer specifically mm. asked, "So, like, why Blue Oyster Cult?" And Jason Newstead said um, they were a band that toured all the time, and so he, as a kid, I guess he got to see them a lot, a lot more frequently than other bands that he probably would have wanted to see. So they've kind of always been, I guess, in their collective creative mind in the background somewhere and i guess they just decided to pay tribute to that yeah it, it do, i mean for me blue oyster cult felt like a band cliff would like like you know they kind of have that sort of slightly that proggy, atmospheric yeah proggy yeah 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 um, any anytime you have keyboards or something like that i guess like the the first adjective that is used is atmospheric yeah yeah so yeah. I, mean, I guess it's kind of cliche to say that so if you're a hardcore blue oyster cult fan listening to this i'm sorry if that's uh (laughs) if you're tired of that adjective but i mean it's it's one great way to describe them i mean they're kind of weird they they write about weird stuff um i really love their first album and Mm. i think i think uh astronomy is on their third or fourth album i think it's on their second actually um oh second yeah it's the final song on there yeah and you know this song it's it's probably one reason why I respect Metallica so much as a cover band, hmm. because I mean, and and I hate to bring this up, but you know Chris Cornell's you know recent passing, yeah, and you you see you see all these bands and musicians pay tribute to him by singing songs like Black Hole Sun, like um, uh, Spoon Man, you know, hmm. kind of the the radio hits that you hear all the time, and this song Astronomy, while it's it's kind of up there. Um, in the Blue Oyster Cult um, catalog, it's one of their more well-known songs, but it's not "Don't Fear the Reaper," and that's why I kind of I like Metallica's their mindset when they want to cover a song. They're not going to do the inner Sandman of that band. They're going to kind of go deep into their catalog and try and find a song that they can mold into their own. And they did a really good job on this song, I think. 
Mm, yeah, yeah, entirely. It's a uh, quiet, yeah, just very surprising number to hear them cover. And, you know, it wasn't a song that I was too familiar with before doing this episode, to be honest with you. I'd sort of heard it on the sort of shuffle of, of garaging and stuff, but often kind of remembered it being almost quite slight. And you have that sense at the beginning of sort of far off sounds. It's almost ambient at times, um, you know, kind of that music box aping aping sort of thing the song doesn't really kick in until those very very uh, uh, american almost the way hetfield strums and it's sort of you know boom like you know the kind of pulling back against the strings there the the bass lingering around uh you know it does have quite a sort of um you know evocative vibe to it yeah um first of all i think garage inks production is probably the it's my personal favorite of anything Bob Rock ever did with the band. And I know the black album sounds the black album for what they were trying to do. I mean, the three rhythm guitars and then the lead guitar at the same time. I mean, as a guitar player, I love that really hard chunky sound, but overall garage Inc. just, I think it really, it brings out the best in each individual member. Mm -hmm. And out of every, out of every song on the the first CD on um, garage Inc., Astronomy is, I think, the song, and I've always thought this, the song that every single player in the band really shines. I mean, you've got Jason's bass tone, which you can clearly hear throughout the entire song, which is kind of, sadly, you can't say that in every about every single Metallica yep. song. And it really adds to the, um, the ambience, as you said. The volume swells at the beginning are really great, and probably the thing that shines the most is either Kirk's lead guitar, um, his soloing at the end of the song, or James's vocals. It's, it's a song where... At the time when it came out, we hadn't really heard James sing like that. You kind of heard him sing differently on Low Man's Lyric on Reload, but mm-hmm. he didn't go that far into what he does on Astronomy. And it's he does a, an, a fantastic job. And the harmonies that he recorded, the overdubs, are just it adds so much to the song, and it's such a great listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is actually. He does have that kind of soft-spoken kind of way to his voice and. You know, the experimentation of this track is something I really respect as well. They kind of went for a slightly, you know, less by numbers number here, and it it works well. What are your thoughts on the... um, It's quite basic, but I can't deny how effective... You know, the guitar, if they're... Yeah, um, it's funny. If you listen to the the Blue Oyster Cult, you know, they're the original song. Mm. For what it is, it's great. Obviously, I heard the Metallica version first. When you hear the Blue Oyster Cult version, it just sounds so thin and weak. And mm. I mean, there are reasons for that. I mean, obviously, yeah, this yeah. is a twenty or thirty year gap in between recording. But and if and if you just prefer, you know, more hard rock sounds, you're going to like Metallica. If you like more classic rock, you're probably going to go Blue Oyster Cult. But um, it's definitely it's definitely an example of how Metallica how well they can cover a song. Because if you heard the the original version first and you knew that Metallica was going to cover it, you would probably probably be a little hesitant to think, oh, this this I don't know how this is going to work. And they certainly make it work because it just constantly builds and builds and builds mm-hmm. until that chorus where and you know, anytime James says hey really hard on a you know, on a recording, everyone's <laughs> going to be excited about that. And right. the power chords, uh, the bass guitar kind of echoing the guitar riff that they that doesn't necessarily happen on the original version Mm. is a really nice Mm. accent and yeah they just i mean i've said it a few times i guess already they just really made it work on this song yeah they really did i agree yeah they definitely metallicify it 
in a certain way here. Yeah, James going, hey, and sort of the riff coming in uh, much heavier as well. I, I don't know if you caught as well. I, I quite like the use of the riff, but when they descend the riff, so it goes, it's the same riff, but on the fretboard, you know, any guitar player knows you can sort of play a set of notes anywhere, you know, multiple positions. And it kind of goes here from the sort of high 12 to the sort of, you know, the low one of the E. And I really like that kind of na 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 the song kind of adds it. Something Metallica doesn't really do. Something that is a bit more of a proggy kind of, uh, you know, inflection there to inhabit. And, you know, the song as well is very classic in his 70s mold as well. It rests, you know, it does build, like you say, but then it gets back to more of a, a you know, a slower pace. And, what, what you know, the song itself, the original song, I watched a live video of it today, and it has a great rendition by their lead guitar player at the end, the real stinging lead. Like, what, what are your feelings on Kirk's playing on this song? You know... And I kind of said it earlier about how every I think every um, member of the band shines in this um, song. Yeah. Kirk really, I mean, that ending solo is, I mean, for lack of a better word, is it's fucking awesome. Right. It just it keeps going, and it's not very Kirkish. It's it's not it's not the same, you know, twelve to fourteen, and you kind of go up and down on the strings on the on the fretboard mm. as you know as he's kind of devolved into now that he's older. Um, it's a little, it's it's a little different here and there. It's not as predictable, but it just keeps going and going. It's like the solo that w- that does not end, and mm-hmm. sadly the song fades out and you don't get to see how it ends. But um, Kirk really shines on this on this song, and um, I mean, like like you said, the kind of proggy like descend on the fretboard. Uh, sadly, because of that and because of how the song is structured. I don't think we'll ever hear this song live. It's it's a song that I don't think Metallica could probably perfect in a stadium atmosphere. Mm. I mean, this is definitely a song that if they ever want to do an acoustic version of it, they would probably make it work. But I don't think we'll ever, because of the elements of the song, I don't think we'll ever probably hear it live. And it's a very, I mean, lyrically, <laughs> it's a very interesting song, isn't it? Um, very complicated song, very dense. Um, this is just uh, a quick little bit of research I did. So speaking of the album itself, it's from Secret Treaties by Blue Oyster Cult, which is their third album, I should say. You were correct, not their second. Uh, began as a concept album based on the character Des Denova, who appears in Astronomy. You can spend a lot of time with headphones on trying to figure out what's going on in this song. But Perlman explained when he spoke with Enemy in 1975. Um, so basically, at this time, Perlman was kind of like the band's manager and this poet. And he says that, quote, it's New Year's Eve and Des Denova walks into the Four Winds Bar, which was a real place. He plays the game with two girls, has to be completed in the six hours from midnight till dawn because he can't stand the light. It's sort of corrosive. There's a parallel with the rose, which is similarly overfilled, a symbol of overripeness and decadence. The dog is Susie's familiar and the carrier of starry wisdom from the actual dog star. Lovecraft had this term starry wisdom cult, which was so apt I had to use it. I mean, this isn't typical Sandman, nothing else matters kind of fodder. (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's definitely not something james would probably write down yeah. and uh, i i think it's it's really a, it's really a conflict in between it, it's it's another reason why it's so interesting how this song i think really does well mm-hmm. i mean from that what was it the making of the black album not not the year and a half ten years later where they kind of revisit it was the it's the it's the special where jason news did like a few days but james kind of when he's mentioning writing nothing else matters he says that he's not like one of these musicians that writes a poem and it eventually turns into a song mm. and that is that is specifically what happened on astronomy originally right. and james it, it's it doesn't sound weird when it comes out of his mouth it like his voice it it still works in 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 such a way and it's kind of hard to explain but hopefully i'm 
conveying it in a yeah. manner that you kind of are following along. But uh, yeah, uh, well, everything you just said, I remember growing up listening to the song and kind of understanding what, what some words were, kind of not understanding yeah. what other words were. But then like actually sitting down and reading the lyrics and just going, what? <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Yeah, I kind of um, I was certain certain images hit me. You know, sort of um, the the acid and oil and a madman's face um, and stuff like that. And like sometimes you kind of I think I know what that means. I know you'll soon be married. And you'll want to know where the wind comes from. Is that kind of like I don't know sexual awakening? Perhaps I, I you know I don't I don't really know where this plays for. But there's a lot of haze as well as a lot of maniacal stuff here, along with the kind of more complex two doors locked and windows barred one door left to take you in the other just mirrors it like what the what what does that mean um you know yeah, it, is, it, it is it is quite a bit of a puzzle it's definitely from 70s drug infused rock oh, yeah. and roll oh, to yeah. say oh, the yeah. least <laughs> don't need to make if it don't if it if it's making sense if it's not making sense dude is there sort of uh there's sort of outro there but you know it's it's a fun number altogether it's a good showcase for the band uh you know and it's you know it's long but they, the songs were long and i think they do kind of update the song to kind of justify its placement i mean altogether what are your thoughts on astronomy it's one of my favorites on the album it's probably because it kind of depends it depends on what mood i'm in when i'm listening to garage inc uh merciful fate's really fun just because there's 900 riffs and that's packed in that medley of a song whiskey in the jar is a really fun song just to kind of sing along with all your friends while you're having a beer or something but astronomy is definitely a song that when you're in a certain type of mood it just really kind of speaks to me and musically not necessarily lyrically obviously we just kind of had fun with that but musically it's such an interesting song and it's so unique compared to the rest of their catalog even even unique to the rest of their cover songs and you know it's just it's just a fun it's just a fun number to kind of sing along to when you're you know driving in the car for a few hours or um like i'm doing right now doing laundry (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, no, definitely. It's a durable, durable number. So we'll um, we'll wrap up then, Brady, just a few quick things. The first one being, you know, you said you see seeing Metallica uh, the end of the week, which would be your third time seeing them. So what were the other two times? The first time I saw them was, I'm 26 now, and I was 18 or 17, I think, and it was down in Dallas again. They played uh, when they headlined Ozfest, mm. and it, w- it was awesome because at the time, that's when Death Magnetic was almost coming out but the whole mission metallica viral marketing thing was going on and i remember they had one they were releasing like little snippets of them in the studio here and there but you hardly could kind of you could hardly ever discern any type of riff because it was just mainly them sitting around talking but they had one trailer which had the uh the cyanide chorus riff that suicide i've already did that part yeah yeah, yeah. and that that particular show was the first time they performed a Death Magnetic song live, and um, we didn't know any titles. There were no titles that had been revealed. So when James says we're gonna, this is a song called Cyanide, like no nobody knew, nobody knew any of the verse riffs. But as soon as they s- start doing that chug riff for the chorus, I was the only person around, like in the forty people around me that knew any of the lyrics, and I was like, oh my god, it's that song from that trailer, and. So that was kind of cool. They also brought up King Diamond and played the whole Merciful Fate medley. And Mm. sadly, I don't think a lot of, you know, your inner Sandman fans that just like the Black Album were like going like, what the fuck is going on? So, I mean, I I dug it. And then the second time was 
uh, in Tulsa for the Death Magnetic Tour um, a few months later, where they played uh, they played all the Death Magnetic songs, and probably the coolest the coolest thing they played was uh, "Die Die My Darling." Mm. So that was kind of cool to see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that one a lot. Actually, that's that's definitely a good uh, good good one from the album. Um, and you know, as we say, this coming up to this concert, is there anything you kind of want from the band? I know the set list is kind of set in stone, but what ideally, what would you like to see them play? Well, I'm still holding out hope that uh, Spit Out the Bone will yeah. <laughs> drop in Dallas, but I think Lars has already said that he doesn't necessarily want that to be like r- released as a stadium um, sure. song. I, I, I think that's his that that's him kind of saying sneakily that he doesn't want to play it in America, and I don't blame him. Uh, American audiences are very very disappointing. It, I mean, every time I watch yeah. YouTube um, watch shows on YouTube of them playing and you know in in some city in america it's really disappointing considering they had just played in south america where everybody sings everything from vocal lines to guitar riff lines it's such a different atmosphere so spit out the bone as much as i would love to see that i would rather see it on youtube in front of a european audience that would appreciate it more I will be cheering for you, Brady, October 30th uh, in, in Birmingham, and, uh, you know, the, the energy will be returned. But So uh, I, guess, I guess, you know, finally, in a broader sense, obviously this is a show where we go song by song here, but what is your favorite Metallica song in general? Uh, okay, so I'm going to get hated on some more. My favorite song, my favorite Metallica song is Hero of the Day. Right, okay. And obviously, I mean, obviously the whole nostalgic feeling that I kind of, explained at the beginning where that's kind of the first album that i remember growing up to it's it's um it's just a song that kind of speaks i mean that kind of spoken to me over the last few years i mean i've i graduated from college three years ago and you know you go out to you go to college and you're kind of on your own for the first time and mm. that song specifically mm. talks about you know going out to the world and looking for something to you know follow but even though the world can kind of crush you here and there, you can always go back home to your, if you're lucky enough to have parents like I do. And so that song's always been special to me. And um, lyrically, musically, it's a great song, I think. But again, if I, if I wanted to kill somebody, I'm, I'm throwing on Damage Inc. Right, right. <laughs> so it just depends on my mood. But yeah. overall, my friends know, like my Metallica friends know that Hero of the Day is my song. I love Hero of the Day, man. Good choice. I, I, I do think Hero of the Day is a great song. I think the guitar riff is so simply brilliant as well, that kind of ascending thing. And the way it starts with... Just a very very James thing to do there. Put a little variation on what's quite yeah, a kind of, you know, basic thing. You can imagine how excited I was when they played that acoustic at the last Bridge, um, bridge right, School benefit yeah. that they did. I, I was watching that on uh, Periscope, and my dad and I were driving back from his old hometown, and I was w- watching it on my phone. And then they all of a sudden start playing the riff, and I just I almost lost it. I was like, "Oh my god, they're actually playing <laughs> Hero of the Day!" <laughs> oh, that's great, man. And um, outside of this as well, this isn't kind of your first podcast experiences. I mean, I mean, talk us through uh, the one you work on, man. Uh, so obviously, I live in Oklahoma. We have an NBA team, uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder, and I work for um, a website that covers the Thunder called Thunder Digest. Um, it's the biggest independent Thunder media website out there. So basically that means we're not ESPN, we're not Fox Sports, we're an independent site. We do all of our stuff on our own, but we happen to be the biggest biggest one just because the people that have worked there before me did a really great job, and I've just kind of helped steer that along, and then 
over the last year and a half, we tried to get into the podcast business and over the last six, seven months, I've hosted our, our podcast called peak and roll. And I've been really lucky to have some really cool NBA guests on and, uh, NBA media personalities on. So it's been, it's been really fun. And I mean, you seem much more of a natural at this than I do. And, um, (laughs) I mean, obviously I remember when I first heard, you know, your show and I was thinking, man, it'd be cool to be on. But I, m- my first initial thought was, man, it's going to be like the battle of the conflicting accents because right. <laughs> you have a really cool, you have a really cool accent, and then I don't like my accent. Right. So doing podcasts, doing the podcast has been like an eye opener for me about how much I don't like my accent. <laughs> and whenever I look at our show statistics um, on SoundCloud, obviously ninety percent of our listeners come from the states. Mm-hmm. But the second most viewed or listened country to our show is New Zealand because the Thunder have a player from New Zealand named Stephen Adams. And it makes me that much more self-conscious about my accent because I'm like, New Zealand, people from New Zealand sound awesome. Mm. I probably don't. They probably think everybody from Oklahoma sounds like a <laughs> unintelligent hick. So <laughs> sorry to everybody from Oklahoma and sorry for everybody having to soldier through my accent. <laughs> no, no, of course, man. No, it's been fantastic to have you on. And especially because of your kind of <laughs> warm accent, I should say, like familiar cult- <laughs> culturally, us Brits are kind of raised on this kind of, you know, this, this warm hospitality kind of uh, accent. So no, but it's been great having you on. Great to, uh, you know, dig into astronomy with you and to hear, you know, I mean, we'll have to have you back. I think you said you wanted to do Bleeding Me, wasn't it? I, I, as a load song, we've got to, I suppose. Ba- basically, anytime you um, have a load or reload song <laughs> up that nobody wants to do, yeah. um, I mean, even if it's like Prince Charming. <laughs> even if it's Wasting My Hate. Wasting My Hate. Hey, that was one of the first guitar riffs I learned how to play. Yeah, yeah, it's quite a good riff, actually. Yeah, so, I mean, anytime you need me back on, man, just All right. just holler and All right. I'll, I'll jump right on. It's easy to talk about Metallica, so. It, yeah, yeah, it definitely is, definitely is, but... um. All right, Brady, thank you so much, man. I guess finally, um, your social media, is there anything you'd like to plug? Any follow you at? Or? Yeah, I, guess, I mean, I guess. Um, my Twitter account, it's at uh, Brady Does Sports, obviously, because I'm trying to do the whole sports writing thing. Yeah. So there's that. And it's funny, as soon as I started doing the podcast, I thought about doing a Metallica podcast myself mm. just to kind of practice because I needed something that I could talk about by myself mainly. And yeah talk talk at length and so i just got on itunes and uh typed in metallica and that's how i found metal up your podcast and then got into that show and then they had mentioned your show and i was like oh great another one so i mean it's one big metallica family right now yeah yeah no it's it's nice coincidence that myself and and clint and ethan have started sort of so close together they started a little bit before me and yeah those guys are great and and the the vibe is just you know share and share like definitely check out their podcast they just did an episode on load actually have you heard it yeah i uh listened to it last night um about the thir- first 25 minutes so i didn't really get into the meat of the show i mainly just listened to all the uh, email replies and stuff and then i realized it was three o'clock in the morning and had to go to sleep so <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well uh I'll probably yeah. get on as soon as i start doing some more cleaning yeah check it out i mean i know for a fact ethan especially is you know hugely hugely into um you know well both of them are basically massively into load and you know they kind of uh, they kind of talk about that at length really really well so check them out but um yeah brady this has been great thank you to everyone that's been listening as well next week we are get digging into atlas rise 
which is um, something I'm very excited about. That's, I think that's a very, very good song uh, from Hardwired. Then Attitude um, from Reload as well. I've already got the oh, guest yeah. on, I'm afraid, <laughs> Brady. But um, no, this has been great, man. Thank you again. Thank you for having me on, man. I appreciate it. Uh-huh.